0: So, um, for those that don't know me, I expect most people do. My name is Mark. I'm one of the elders here. And um, it's a great privilege to welcome Anna, Anna Colbert, to speak to us today. Uh, I know Anna's going to give us a great message. She's a very trusted friend and uh, been a member of the church for a long time. We love it a bit. So, let's give her a big round of applause. (laughs) Anna. to get sorted out. Ah, excellent. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, thank you, Sheila, for coming and just sharing that with us. It, it obviously fits really nicely with um, what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And um, don't you just love it when God starts weaving his way um, yeah, through a Sunday morning? And yeah, just so aware of the presence of God here this morning. I, I woke up this morning... Um, obviously knowing this this was coming ahead. And I just had a song um, on my heart as I woke up. And it was just the phrase of a song. And it, was, um, it just said, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And it just kept resonating with me. I was like, oh, something's going to happen this morning. Something significant is going to happen this morning. That's going to make the darkness tremble. And we were sort of praying it through um, in the prayer meeting beforehand. And then we sang about it. And it's like... Yeah, I really believe that that is going to happen this morning, that through the things that we're talking about, the things that we're expanding on, that the darkness will tremble. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to all that God's going to do. So I'm going to be continuing our series in fear, as you've heard. And just today, we're going to be exploring some issues around the fear of death. And um, when I was preparing for this at home, I was um, sat out in the garden. I'd got books and papers and various things all around me. And Charlotte came over to me and said, um, Mum, what are, you, what are you doing? So uh, I said, oh, I'm just preparing. I'm, I'm going to be you know, talking um, you know, in a few weeks' time um, in our fear series. And she said, oh, what are you talking on?" I'm talking about um, fear of death. So she looked at me and she was like, oh, fear of death? She was like, well that doesn't sound too happy. <laughs> and that, that was her kind of take on it. She was like, oh, why, why would you be talking about that? That doesn't really sound too happy. And I don't know, maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking, oh, this will be interesting, half an hour talking about death. That's going to be uh, not too happy. But hopefully that will be uh, challenged as we look at um, some of the exciting stuff as we consider what Jesus has actually achieved for us through his death as well as looking at our human death and the the fears that we have associated with that. So there are a few things in life that we can be certain of. And one thing that we can be certain of, one certainty for us all, is that we will all face death at some point. Um, It says in the Bible in a book called Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 2, it talks about there being a time for lots of different things. It lists lots of different things. And it says there's a time to live, and there's a time to die and then later in chapter 7 of ecclesiastes it says death is the destiny of everyone now that doesn't sound too cheery but it's true isn't it whilst we're here on earth we are all going to die and for many years of life you may have focused on the living side of kind of life as you would and not really given death much thought or maybe death is something that you come across you know through work it's something that happens and maybe you approach it in a very Clinical, cold kind of a way, because that's the way you have to in order to cope and to get through. But in the last two years, many of us have been confronted with the reality of death, living through a global pandemic. We've been bombarded with daily death tolls, with mortality rates, and there are very few people that have not been impacted by losses, perhaps closer to home, family, or friends, neighbours, perhaps colleagues. And I think for me, things began to feel very different sort of through the pandemic when quite early on, one of those faces that flashed across the screen um, was one of our local GPs who had died as a result of COVID. And you saw the face keep flashing across the screen. And this was a man I used to work with. And suddenly it becomes very personal. And then again, in December of 2020, when my mother-in-law became one of the statistics that they spoke about, you know, it's all very removed, isn't it, when they talk about you know so many percent and this many thousand million, but suddenly when it is close to home, it it starts to really hit you, doesn't it? It gets you thinking. It starts to impact you more. So what I want to do this morning in the next sort of half an hour or so is firstly to look at some scripture that's going to help to anchor what we're talking about. I want us to have a think about perhaps the purpose of death in Christian life. I want us to think about fear, obviously. That's our our kind of subject this morning, looking at the two main forms of fear of death and looking at why we fear death. Then I want us to look at Jesus and what he has achieved through his death and look at our choice. Do we choose fear or do we choose faith? And then I want to think about restoring hope and looking at the eternal perspective and what God has promised. So we've got quite a bit to get through. In half an hour. So let's start. If you've got your Bibles and want to turn um, to Scripture, we're starting in Isaiah chapter 43. Um, It will be up on the screen as well, I'm sure, if you want to follow there. Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 1 to 5. And it says this. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And then in Psalms, so if you're following In a Bible, just back a few books into Psalm, a very well-known Psalm, Psalm 23, says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake, even though I walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just love, I love those verses, and we're going to come back to them a little bit later on, but I really wanted to start there as a kind of anchor point for all that we're going to be talking about this morning. So firstly, let's just think for a moment about the purpose of death in the Christian life. I think, you know, sometimes we think when we become Christians, we know that we're assured of eternal life, so... Why do we have to even go through this kind of death thing? Can't we just move straight into eternal life and not even kind of have to go through the death bit? Um, but when we think about it, death wasn't part of the original plan. It came about as a result of sin. So way back in Genesis, when Adam and Eve are in the garden and sin first enters the world, you know that's when death became a thing, really. That's when death... Um, came. It wasn't part of that original plan. It's also important to recognize that death is not a punishment for Christians. It does say the penalty for sin is death, but the penalty has been paid in full. So punishment is not a reason for us to have to go through the process of death. Death is the final outcome of us living in a fallen world Jesus achieved so many things through his death on the cross, and we're going to look at some of those a bit later on. But God decided to apply these benefits sort of gradually and over time, and the last aspect of this fallen world to be removed will be death. So thinking about the sort of different forms of fear of death, I guess you could think of it in two different ways. There's the fear of death of people that are close to us, and then there's the fear of our own death. As well, and they're, they're two slightly different things, and both can be equally as intense and distressing. And as a child, you kind of reach a point where you're aware suddenly of your total dependence on your parents for absolutely everything. You know, you can't really exist without them, they do everything for you, they are everything for you. And you suddenly reach a point where you start to wonder well, what would happen if they weren't here? You know, I'm totally dependent on them for everything. If they suddenly weren't here, where, where does that leave me? So many questions. And I remember as a child of around seven, my parents going out for the evening with some church friends. And it was a wet, horrible evening. And while they were out, they were involved in a car accident. Uh, the car they were in skidded on some mud on a bend and the car rolled into a ditch. And fortunately, all the people escaped with cuts and bruises and just a few broken bones. But I remember the commotion as a child the next morning of kind of hearing everything that had happened, of seeing my dad's arm all bandaged up and my mum's bruises and starting to think as a child of sort of seven, hmm, this could have been a lot worse. <laughs> what, what actually would have happened if they'd have died? What, what happens to me and what happens to them if they die? And I did have a lot of questions at that point. And even when we have a relationship with God through Jesus, we can still find ourselves vulnerable to fear and worry about death. And I don't know whether you think much about death. I think many of us are more aware of our own mortality, particularly in light of the last few years. And ironically, it seems that when it's more remote and it's something we're kind of aware of, you know, you see the pandemic stuff, but when it's out there, it tends to worry us more than when it's a reality that we're facing kind of head-on, even if it was perhaps at a time that we weren't expecting. And I know that many of you will be aware, um, I've spoken about it before, that about nine years ago, I had to face the reality of death for myself. Um, I was found at that time to have a large pancreatic cystic tumour, which required me to have invasive surgery at Addenbrooke Hospital And as the enormity of that situation grew, I had a consultation with the surgeon, and he talked about the complications of the surgery and the risk of death. And that was really far too high for my liking, to be honest. And if I did nothing, I faced on one hand the certainty of premature death, or if I had had the option of surgery, which wasn't without complications and risk, and whichever kind of path I took, really, I suddenly had to face the reality of death as a possibility at the least and a certainty at the worst. And it was a really tough time, needless to say, but I can honestly say that the words that we read earlier in Psalm 23 just became such a reality for me at that point in time. We read, didn't we, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I found extraordinary comfort as I faced extraordinary trials. And he will not put us through things that we can't bear. He will not put us through anything which we cannot bear. We read in the Isaiah verses, didn't we? When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. So why do we fear death? I'm sure there's probably lots of reasons, but I've just picked out a few for us to think about this morning. Maybe it's the unknown that may be a reason. And while I was thinking about this particular fear trigger, I was reminded of an old hymn that my grandparents used to sing. And the author of this hymn, John Parker, was a guy born in 1825, so it's going back quite a long way. (laughs) And I've just written down a few of the words from this hymn. It says, God holds the keys of all unknown, and I am glad If other hands should hold the key, or if he trusted it to me, I might be sad. I cannot read his future plans, but this I know. I have the smiling of his face and all the refuge of his grace while here below. Enough, this covers all my wants, and so I rest. For what I cannot, he can see, and in his care, I saved, shall be forever blessed." We don't know the details surrounding our death. We don't. We don't know the date or the time, the circumstances. They're unknown to us. But we need to remember that whilst it's unknown to us, it's not unknown to him. And in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And we can be confident in that, that although there's a lot of uncertainty and unknown, he knows. He knows the start from the finish, and we can be confident in that. So maybe it's lack of control. Maybe that's a reason that we fear death. And part of becoming a Christian and having a relationship with God through Jesus is that we hand over the reins of control for our lives to him. We entrust our lives to him and surrender control to him. And if you're anything like me, that might be something you have to do quite regularly as you find yourself reaching out to grab the reins again and take back control. But we can't control the circumstances around our death. We can't engineer things to suit us at a time that would be convenient. It doesn't work like that. And Tim reminded us last week that fear can occur when things are out of control. But we have a choice at that point. Do we choose fear Or do we choose God? That is our choice. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe that's a reason that we fear death. Maybe we doubt what's going to happen when we leave the earth or whether we really have a relationship with God. Are God's promises really true? And we're going to look at some of the promises of God a bit later on and explore how they really are true. So let's look to Jesus and what he did for us. So firstly, he offered a perfect sacrifice for us. He offered his perfect life as we couldn't offer a perfect life of our own. And in the Old Testament, we read, don't we, that where they had to offer sacrifices to atone for their sins, they had to use an animal, and it had to be an animal that was without blemish. Or fault. It had to be perfect, this animal. It was no good picking the kind of lame one at the back or the one that was a bit dodgy, or you know, this had to be a perfect, perfect specimen to be sacrificed, because that was the only thing that would be good enough. And we're full of blemishes and faults as a result of our sin. That's that's a fact. Jesus was the only one who could be a perfect sacrifice for us. Secondly, Jesus was punished for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserved. He was sinless, and we were full of sin. He stood in the gap and was punished instead of us. Thirdly, Jesus paid the price of our redemption. He atoned for our faults. Our sinful souls weren't good enough. We were unable to pay the price that we owed, so the sinless saviour paid the price on our behalf. And fourthly, Jesus defeated the horror of death so that we didn't have to. The price was paid once and for all. This is good news, is it not? So let's have a think about the implications of his death for us. And... Um, yeah, don't you hate it when you're watching a film with someone who's seen the film already and they're kind of sitting next to you and they're kind of looking, waiting for that response and kind of nudging it, this is the good bit, you know, it's coming, this is the good bit. And without wanting to spoil things, this is the good bit, okay? So <laughs> we're now looking at the implications of Jesus' death for us. We haven't earned anything and yet we have so much because of his death. So, Romans 6, verse 23, I've mentioned it already. The wages of sin is death. The only thing that could happen because of our sin was death. But, I love a but, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is really good news. Jesus went before us. And the promise for us as Christians is that just as Jesus faced death and it wasn't the end for him, it's not the end for us either. More good news. In Romans 8, verses 1 to 17, it's kind of entitled Life Through the Spirit. And this describes so beautifully the implications of Jesus' death for us. So I just want to go through really quickly a summary of those. Um, So Romans 8, and in verse 2, it talks about the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In verse 6, it talks about the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Verse 10 If Christ is in you, then even if your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 15 The Spirit you've received doesn't make you slaves so that you fear again. Now, that's what, surely, that's the best we could hope for, isn't it? That we'd be slaves for all that Jesus did. We're so indebted to Him that we would you know, just be slaves serving him forever. That would surely be the best that we could hope for. But in verse 15, it says, it doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. We are adopted as sons. In verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. We're God's children. And in verse 17, we're not just children and sons. We're heirs of God. And co with Christ. Now this is good news for us this morning, isn't it? It's good news that Jesus has accomplished so much for us. And the implications for us are just staggering. So let's come back again to this issue, fear or faith. Fear or faith. Surely after what we've just read, we're challenged to move from a life that's perhaps consumed by fear to one that's full of faith. And in Psalm 23, which we read earlier, it says, I will fear no evil. Now that rather implies that there's a choice for us, doesn't it? I will, I'm making a choice, I will fear no evil. It's not, you know, something that we just think, oh, well, you know, there's so much going on. It's difficult, you know, of course I'm going to fear. No, we make a choice. We make a choice that says I'm moving from a life consumed with fear, considering all that Jesus has done and all that's accessible to me. I'm moving into a life of faith. I am making that choice. And if we want to move from a life of fear into a life of faith, let's just consider faith for a moment. What, what is faith? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So hope is key to faith. Do you have hope this morning? Do you have hope? Maybe you're not sure. Tim Keller wrote a chapter in a book on the subject of death, and he entitled this chapter, Rubbing Hope into the Reality of Death. And I, I just really love that. I um, We watch a fair bit of cooking kind of programs and stuff in our house and um, one of the things that we sometimes see is is Jamie Oliver in the kitchen. I don't know if you've ever come across him but he loves nothing better than to get whatever it is he's working with and a lovely bit of marinade. He gets a nice bit of meat and he will be rubbing that marinade into the meat very enthusiastically. He doesn't just get a brush and just do a little dab here and there. He gets a good old handful and he's massaging it into the meat and that's what I take from this. From what Tim's saying, Tim Keller, rubbing hope in that enthusiastic way, that's how we need to approach death. Get hold of it, massage it in. We're applying hope and massaging it into the reality of death. We can't change death. We can look at it in a different perspective. It's still going to happen. But we can apply the hope that that we have um, to death. So let's try and restore some hope this morning. I want you to be able to lift your eyes and get focused on an eternal perspective. So Tim Keller also wrote a whole book on death called On Death. Um, And he describes four different kinds of hope in this book. And I just want to go through those with you now. So the first type of hope that he describes is a personal hope. This is what we have to look forward to. Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And the words that are used in in those verses... Um, It says we will be with one another. It says we'll be together. And these words indicate that there will be personal relationships in heaven. It's not just... I think we often think of heaven as kind of you know, going to be with angels and kind of being with God. We don't really give a lot of thought to the fact that there are going to be personal relationships as well when we're in heaven. So we can have you know, this Christian hope is for a personal future of love relationships. We can be in relationship with one another in heaven as well. So that is our first, that's personal hope. We also have material hope. And this is taken from Luke chapter 24. And in verse 37, we read of the risen Jesus. And this risen Jesus has a physical body. And he's eating with his disciples. And when we get to heaven. We will have new bodies. That's also very good news, isn't it? We will have new bodies when we get to heaven. We will have, um, we've got this material hope and um, we will get new bodies. Our future is not an immaterial one. So we're not going to float about like some kind of spiritual, you know, ghosts or something. It's not about you know just doing that it's about walking doing physical things loving one another about singing hugging physical things we have material hope this is the final defeat of death it's not just a bit of consolation for what we've lost having kind of left earth um this is um yeah it's a personal future of love relationships and the restoration of all things it's life as it was always meant to be and A lot of other religions sort of promise this spirit future, but we have the promise of a renewed heaven and earth, a perfected material world in which all suffering, tears, disease, evil, injustice and death, they've been eliminated. That's what we have to look forward to. Thirdly, beatific hope. Now, I'm going to explain this. I couldn't think of another word for it, so we'll just go with it. This is the hope of seeing God face to face, okay? So we've just explained we're going to be with each other in heaven, um, and that's going to be great. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth, but we're also going to see God face to face. We're going to be with the Lord forever. And I don't know about you, but those moments here on earth, perhaps in worship sometimes, when you just feel so connected to God, you feel such a a closeness, you feel the spirit with you, you feel full of joy and love and there's such a connection and you just want that to last forever. It will. (laughs) This this is it. These moments are going to become an eternity for us. We will be finally fully known and yet fully loved. And that's kind of strange to us here because the moment on earth that we are fully known... People start backing off because we're not all we cracked up to be, really. We're human. We sin. And there's something about that that's not very appealing. So when we're fully known, people start just backing away. But this is where we'll be fully known and yet fully loved. Fully loved. Fully embraced. Fourthly, we have assured hope And this is unique to us as Christians. Other faiths talk of an afterlife, but there's not really a guarantee as to who's going to enjoy it. It seems to be kind of dependent on quite a lot of things, and they're not really measurable, and they're not entirely certain. But Hebrews 6, verses 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. More good news. So... Just some practical points. If you are here this morning or listening online and you are fearing death and you want to know how to move on from that, six things just to think about. Firstly, you need to acknowledge your fear. I think often we tend to kind of suppress our fear a bit. We sort of think, I shouldn't really be particularly about fear of death. This isn't something I should be worried about. We've got the promise of eternal life. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be fearing death. And we tend to squash it down, cover it over, pretend it's not there. We need to acknowledge our fears. Yeah, we need to shine the light on it. Shine the light on it, expose it for what it is. Acknowledge your fear. Secondly, consider any possible triggers for your fear. Now, there may be a lot. I've picked out just a few. The unknown, perhaps lack of control, doubt. There are many, many others. But sometimes that can be helpful just to expose those things. We need to confess our fear. We've heard already in this series that the command sort of do not fear is mentioned over 500 times, we believe, through the Bible. It's a command, isn't it? Do not fear. That's what we're encouraged to do. So if we are fearing, then we need to perhaps give some thought about confessing that fear and repenting of it. You know, God commands us not to fear and if we're fearing, we need to come to God and and say sorry and turn away from that. Not in a heavy way, but God wants the best for us. He wants the best for us. So... We've acknowledged fear, we've considered triggers, we've confessed our fear. We need to make a choice. Is it fear or is it faith? We need to make that choice. Fifthly, be accountable. We're we're meant to be in community with one another, aren't we? We are meant to be living in community, supporting one another. Be accountable to someone. If you're fearing this morning, get alongside someone and just say, I'm struggling with this, will you walk with me through this? Let's encourage one another. If you're approached by someone who is fearing, get alongside them. You know, Walk them through these practical points. Be with them. Help them. Point them to the promises of God. Let's encourage one another in this. And sixthly, medicate yourself with the word of God. We don't think twice, do we? If we've got a headache, we'll reach for the cupboard. We'll go and get the paracetamol or the ibuprofen without a second thought. But when we're fearing, do we reach for the Bible and pick up the word of God? Do we apply it three times a day at four hour intervals or whatever it is? Do we regularly pick it up and let it minister to us, let it speak to us? That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. So if you're fearing this morning about anything, whether it's fear of death or any of the other things we've covered pick up your Bible, medicate yourself with the word of God because it will do you so much good, so much good. So just as we kind of bring this to a conclusion, what has God promised us? What has God promised us? Firstly, nothing can separate us from his love. In Romans 8 verse 35, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For I am convinced that neither death nor life angels nor demons, present nor the future, it goes on to list quite a lot of other things, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. Secondly, he's gone to prepare a place for us. He's promised it. It says in John 14 verses 1 to 3, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. He's preparing somewhere for us for eternity. Thirdly, he holds the keys of eternal life. In John 3 verse 16 we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Fourthly, he will wipe away every tear. And it says that in Revelation 21 verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Fifthly, there will be no more death. It goes on to say in Revelation 21. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And sixthly. He will be with us. Matthew 28 verse 20 says, And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now that's just six promises. There are many, many more. That's not an exclusive list for sure. But just six things this morning for us to really think about. Let them sink in this morning. So as we bring this to a conclusion, what can we conclude about death and fear of death? It says in Hebrews, He who promised is faithful. Now, they might only be six promises. There are many more. But He who promised is faithful. We can trust Him. The Bible doesn't say, Don't fear death. It's natural, it's inevitable. We all have to go through it. So just don't fear it because it's going to happen. No, it doesn't. It says, Don't fear death. It's defeated. It is defeated. We don't need to fear it. He has done it. He's paid the price. Death's sting is removed. Yes, the bite remains. It still hurts. It still hurts when we lose people close to us. It hurts. It hurts so much. The bite remains. We have sadness. We have loss. We have sorrow. And Jesus knew that. He knew that. When Lazarus died, we read that he wept. He was just deeply sorrowful and he knew he was going to raise him to life again but he was still full of loss and sorrow but we remember that the sting is removed even through that loss so we need to look on death as a passage to Christ and then look beyond it to heaven so we're nearly at an end so how can we apply this to us I guess the first most obvious thing is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? because there's an invitation for you today. We read the verses, didn't we, in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, He so loved you that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The promise of eternal life is yours this morning. If you believe in him, if you believe in Jesus, the promise of eternal life is there for you. So if that's you this morning and you're wondering about it or you know that you don't have a relationship with him, consider it this morning. Eternal life is a promise for you if you believe in him. Have you found yourself walking a path of fear, perhaps, rather than a path of faith? Maybe you're battling fear of your own death or perhaps the death of someone close to you. And as I was preparing for this, I just felt that there would be some people here today, perhaps, that were struggling with loss. I spoke about, you know, the bite still being there, even though the sting's removed. The bite's still there. It still hurts. And I just wanted to remind you today that if someone close to you has died and you're still struggling with that loss, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I want to call on the comfort of heaven to come to you today, if that's you, to come to you in your grief and loss. The comfort of the Father can be yours today. His rod and his staff will comfort you. So should we take a moment to respond? Can I invite you to stand and invite the band to just come forward? Let's just take a moment to think about these things. Let the truth of what we've heard this morning really sink in. Nothing can separate you from his love. His rod and his staff will comfort you, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The waters will not overwhelm you. Lord, we thank you for all that was achieved through the death of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you defeated death once and for all thank you that you hold the keys of eternal life that you've gone to prepare a place for us that we might be with you forever thank you. Thank you, Lord. would you help us now as we move forward this morning reminded of the hope that we have in you